It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. So what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And if you are not already a subscriber, please hit the subscribe button on the podcast or go to The Pete Callender Show and subscribe right there. It's very easy. There's a big blue button right in the middle of the screen. You click on that and then it gives you all of the podcasting platforms and you pick your favorite, whatever it is. Like I'm not, I'm not picky. I'm not telling you which platform to use. You use whatever platform you feel comfortable with. I appreciate it. You can also... Get the link there at the top to become a patron of the program. So shout outs, as always, to patrons of the program like Robbie and Janet, Sarah and Frank, Karen, Manuel, Jeff and Nicole, Chris, Matthew, EZ, Daniel and Janet. Thank you very much, everybody, for the support. I literally could not do the show without you. I'm wondering, should I go to a more NPR kind of a delivery and model for that segment rather than sort of like the the YouTube twitch gamer model you know an npr model might be i don't know something along the lines uh, lines of uh, you know today's program is brought to you by daniel jocelyn gary making patronage great again or nick who wishes his wife a happy birthday Lori, who gives a shout out to all of the fellow pete listeners I, I don't know. Like you could do something like that. I can. I used to write those actually when I first got into radio, and I was working in the membership department of an NPR affiliate. That's what I would work on. I would write up the uh, when people would donate, and then they would get to buy sponsorships, and they would get one placement. They they would spend like I think it was like a couple hundred dollars. And well, maybe I should reconsider this. Maybe a couple hundred dollars. No, I'm kidding. But they would spend like a couple hundred bucks and get one read on one day during one show. In one commercial break, sorry, don't call it a commercial break, it's NPR. Anyway, they would do like one thing, wishing his wife a very happy birthday. And that was it, as a, as a, a donor to the, to the station. And I would write those up, put them into sort of broadcast copy terms. Uh, so maybe I should, nah, I think I'm just going to stick with the model I've got. Anyway, if you are uh, not interested in sticking with the model you've got when it comes to your mattress, then go to Mattress Man. Proud sponsor of the program. I really am indebted to Mattress Man for taking a chance on the podcast a year ago. We've now been up and running for one full year, and that is in large part due to the patrons, obviously, and it's totally due to the patrons and to uh, sponsors such as Mattress Man. And uh, right now they've got their big tax refund sale going on. You don't need any credit to get a new mattress, folks. You really don't. At most, at most, $39 is a down payment. A lot of folks won't even pay that. You get you won't even have to pay anything down. But at most, $39. No interest, same as cash, 0% APR for up to 24 months if you qualify. So basically, you can buy now and put no money down um, or up to only $39 and then have the mattress in the house, sleeping on it, and then you pay it off when you get your tax refund. Great idea. Thank you. I know. I didn't come up with it. It's not my idea. It's Mattress Man's. It's their tax refund sale. Go to any of their four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide. They have five-star local delivery service, and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. 
They want to make sure you got the right bed for you and uh, your sleeping style, your sleep position. So this way you wake up every morning well rested after getting a great night's sleep on your new Mattress Man mattress. Experience the difference. It's at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. Oh, sorry. Mattressmanstores.com. Mattressmanstores.com. I know. See, if I had scripted it into the PSA here into the NPR kind of PSA thing, I would have been able to you know, not mess that up. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference. Buy local and sleep better. Actually, I wouldn't be able to say that. Although I might be able to, because that's their slogan. You're not allowed to say things. The when you when you get the government funding, like NPR stations do, you um, you're not allowed to say certain things in certain ways, like no call to action. Uh, you can't do, I think it's like price compare or pri- mentioning of prices and you can't do, I'm trying to remember, it's been 25 years, folks, but uh, there are rules about how you can say things, what you can say, how you say them, whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to have to relearn those rules, but I'm not an NPR affiliate, so it's a win-win. Okay. Um, so at the end of the program yesterday, I started going over the announcement by Jasmine Beach Ferrara, who is a Buncombe County commissioner who uh, released a video. She's going to run for Congress in the 11th district. This is the district that is Western North Carolina. And we played a little bit of her video and read a little bit of the story that came out of the Smoky Mountain News. And for the last, gosh, I don't know now, 24 hours, 48 hours or so, I've been arguing with people about whether or not North Carolina's 11th congressional district is gerrymandered or not. And it is obviously not gerrymandered. Obviously so. It it comports with the law. It's compact. It splits up very few counties, right? And it has Asheville completely intact in the congressional district. But there are all these people who think that the reason why it's sending Republicans to uh, Congress is because the lines have been drawn in a way that make it winnable for Republicans and unwinnable for Democrats. Because you see, Asheville is there. And there's this idea that, I don't know that what, Asheville is this massive metropolitan, you know, urban center. I mean, it's not tiny. It's not a town. It's a city. But it's only about like, what, 90,000 people. And I know it seems a lot bigger during tourist season because they all come in and it like doubles the population size on any given day. And at that point, yeah, now you're like almost a quarter of a million people, but half of them don't live here, right? Half of them are tourists. So the population itself of Asheville proper is about, I want to say it's like 90,000. When I first got here like eight years ago, it was like uh, 87,000. It's a little bit over, I think it's like 92,000 now. And for comparison, if you're down in the Charlotte area, think Rock Hill. It's about the size of Rock Hill. That's a, that's a good comparison for city size. Now, the difference, though, is that Rock Hill has Charlotte on its doorstep, right? And Asheville doesn't have that. Asheville is the city on all of the town's doorsteps. Like, like Asheville is the Charlotte of the area, and it's only the size of Rock Hill. So, like, you can automatically start to see this is not a very good comparison. <laughs> so, uh, Asheville is not this huge center of, uh, of left-wingery that's able to swing an entire congressional district of, you know, population somewhere in the neighborhood of three-quarters of a million people. Now, the maps are going to get redrawn, and we're going to pick up another congressional seat. And when that happens, now the state will be divided into 14 districts. And 
the lines are going to change. And so maybe they're thinking we can draw these lines in a way that now boosts Asheville's uh, power in order to make it the dominant player in the congressional race. And so Democrats win. That's which is kind of funny because they're 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 laying bare the lie that this is all about, quote, fair maps. It's not. They want Democrats to win. They want Asheville to dictate who goes to Congress representing the entire area of Western North Carolina, knowing I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here, knowing that the majority of people in this area do not vote for Democrats at that level. They, they may vote local Democrats. That's true, because old habits die hard. And that's the sort of blue dog Democrat. And what they always say is, well, Asheville got split up in the in the 2010, you know, districting maps. And that is true. Republicans split Asheville right down the middle in order to weaken it. They cracked the city and it was cited in some uh, several of the uh, the hearings and the court cases and stuff uh, that that they got split in half between the 10th and 11th district. And so what that meant to a lot of people who don't know any better, apparently, or believed what experts were uh, telling them or what media was telling them, media that's ignorant of this as well. But they were like, well, if we can just get Asheville put back together into one district, then we'll totally win. Yet, No, you're not. It's still a blue dot in a sea of red. And I know that that angers people <laughs> that, that want Asheville to dictate the outcome of every congressional race. And they want to be able to run in the Democratic primary the most moon batty of the moon bats and have that person get through a primary and then win in a general election. But that's not going to happen. There are too many people out here in, quote, Trump country that you're totally surrounded by that don't like you guys. <laughs> they don't they don't like Asheville. They don't like Buncombe County now. They don't like your politics. They believe you have been taken over by insanity. And I know you guys think the same thing of the Trump country people, but that's the dynamic here. So it's an R. What is it? We went over this yesterday. Our friend Andy Jackson uh, from uh, the John Locke Foundation, uh, he, and he, he put a post up the other day about this, that no, it's not gerrymandered. And even if you were to try and construct a gerrymandered district to make a Democrat win, you would have to go all the way up into Watauga County, go to App State, right? You'd have to get that whole college campus in there, get all the lefty voting Democratic kids in college, get all of them voting. And that's still not going to be enough to make it a blue di uh, district. A Democrat win. You'd probably have to then snake that district all the way into Charlotte to get those Democrat voters. And think about that. It'd be like this C <laughs> like that would start up in the, you know, the the northwest part of the state and hook down, catch Asheville and then and then loop back over. I guess you would go like what? Right, right down like I-85 and go right into Charlotte and connect into Charlotte. It'd be this big, this big half circle of gerrymandering because that's what that would be, folks. You would be gerrymandering that. That's the way you make that district. So, uh, and by the way, the folks that are very concerned and complaining about North Carolina's 11th district being, quote, gerrymandered when it's not, have absolutely not a freaking thing to say about the Board of County Commissioners being completely run by Democrats. There's one, I should say, there's one Republican left, and he'll be gone when he's up for re-election in 2022, unless there's some significant change to the maps. Because years ago, now probably, what, eight years, nine years ago, 
There was a state lawmaker, he's now back actually, is Representative Tim Moffat, but he used to represent District 116, and they forced, the state forced districts onto Buncombe County. And when they drew the lines, rather than drawing the, their own lines for Buncombe County, they just said, we're going to match House Districts 114, 115, and 116. And they drew those three districts in Buncombe County as one solid Democrat, one solid Republican, and one up for grabs. And these maps got overturned. These maps were identified as partisan gerrymanders, and so they scrapped them, and they redid them. And now they're all solid Democrat districts. So Republicans get zero representation in the General Assembly, thank, uh, thanks to this law and the maps. And this is all fine, by the way, for the, for the Democrats. They have no problem with this. These are fair maps for them. A fair map to a Democrat is one that elects no Republicans, right? Just like at the Asheville City Council. They continue with their all-at-large structure where they elect their council members in staggered terms. So you never get a chance to vote on all of them at the same time. But more importantly, staggering those terms means that you've got you you never have a, a, a you never have more than six people in the general election because the, if you were putting up all of those at large seats at the same time you would have a lot more uh you would have like 12 people in the general that came through a primary right you would have way more people in the general election which means people could then split their ballots up in all sorts of crazy ways and you could a- actually end up with i know this is going to sound crazy you might end up with one person on the body that's not a left winger. That maybe you might get one. And that's too much. That's too much for the Democrats in Asheville. So they're not going to allow that to happen. They're not going to allow district elections because when you're talking about fair maps, usually what you end up getting to is this point where uh, Democrats will tell you something along the lines of, well, you know, we want... um, proportional representation. Essentially, if you look at the state at large and you've got, uh, you know, 54% registered Democrats and 40% registered Republicans, I'm just making up these numbers. They're not that high. But if it's 54-40, then uh, that should be the breakdown of what the results are on the body. So there should be 54% re- uh, Democrats in the General Assembly and 40% Republicans. Like that's the that's generally where you end up with a lot of these people is they say, by registration, we should win this many seats. Assuming that just because somebody is a registered Republican or Democrat, that they're always going to vote for that Republican or Democrat. And that is particularly not true in Western North Carolina. Particularly not true. This is why you have a lot of people in these parts that vote Republican, but are registered Democrats because they're blue dog Democrats. And usually you end up with people that make this argument about Heath Schuler. Heath Schuler, the former congressman Democrat from North Carolina's 11th district, who did not run for reelection and blamed it on the gerrymandering, said he couldn't win uh, that race because of the gerrymandering. And I have no idea if he would have won. He doesn't either, by the way. His campaign chief of staff, rather, his uh, Hayden Rogers, I believe was his name, uh, he ran and lost to Mark Meadows. And they can blame redistricting all they want. I would submit that unless you're a Swain County native, high school football superstar, NC State football superstar, who went pro in the NFL for the Washington 
don't call them what they used to be called football club, right? Which is very popular. That team was very popular in this area because there were no other teams for a very long time. Like that's local boy gone big time. He won a congressional seat. Now, unless you can find me a Democrat like that. Oh, and by the way, he was kind of conservative. He was a hunter and all this, right? Like he's kind of conservative on some things. Now, you maybe you find another NFL star born and raised here that's a blue dog Democrat and maybe they carry the district. That's true. That's completely possible. <laughs> uh, I'm not aware of any, but maybe there are others out there that uh, you can totally bring in. Now, here's the thing. I don't think that Heath Schuler could actually win a primary nowadays. In the Democratic Party, do you think Democrats going to vote for him? I don't know. Maybe they do. In an open primary, maybe get enough unaffiliated that go over and vote for him in the Democratic primary. I don't know. Um, I don't predict elect uh, electoral outcomes. I'm just telling you what the numbers show, and the numbers show that the district is heavily Republican. Um, this story, though, this ran a couple of weeks ago in the News and Observer, and uh, it was by Will Duran, and the headline is, Get Ready for More Gerrymandering Lawsuits. Uh, unless Republican lawmakers surprise him by embracing legal reforms, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder says he will likely be back in North Carolina courts soon, backing yet another anti-gerrymandering lawsuit, which kind of gives away the game, don't you think? When you're promising lawsuits before a single line is drawn on a single map, before the census is even completed, right? This is the, we're going to have to postpone the elections uh, in 2021 here. And then these are municipal races and stuff, local elections. But still, they're talking about postponing them because the census hasn't been completed because of COVID. Um, but it's it's running behind. It's being delayed, and so they're already promising lawsuits. Kind of gives away the game. And when you go to the website, uh, Eric Holder is that he gave a speech at the UNC School of Law, and uh, he is also what the uh, he he chairs a group called the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. And before the show, I went over to their website and just you know take a look, see what updates might be available. And sure enough, they've got a list of all the states they're targeting, and they're all targeting Republican states. These are Republican maps or Republican drawn maps, general assemblies, legislative bodies that have been drawing these maps that are Republicans. They're not targeting Democrat gerrymanders, right? So again, it's just more proof that they're not actually interested in, quote, fair maps, even though that's what they say and that's what the media regurgitates, that they're there for fair. Here you go. This is North Here's a quote that they just put out there, Eric Holder. North Carolina really is in some ways ground zero for partisan and racial gerrymandering, he said recently at this speech. And the only way I think to crack that, which is happening in North Carolina, is through the courts and use those decisions to get a more fair congressional delegation from North Carolina. Once again, fair equals Democrat. And uh, he goes on to say that while he's a Democrat, his intention isn't to gerrymander in favor of Democrats, but rather to get the fair maps. That's why he's suing only Republican gerrymanders, not Democrat ones. Why wouldn't you sue them? Like, if you really are interested in creating a fair map kind of system, right, why wouldn't you sue 
some of your own party members? Why wouldn't you sue some Democrat states too? I know I may be asking too much. Now, I know I'm not asking too much for you to go to Old Grouch's military surplus. You're going to thank me, actually, because he's got tons of cool stuff. Has for 30 years. Tim at Old Grouch's military surplus. He's actually the second Old Grouch. His dad was the original, uh, the OG, OG, you might say, the OG squared. Um, He's got first aid kits. He's got ammo cans. He's got gun accessories. um, He's got tons of stuff like folding shovels. Uh, these are great for campers, but also as a, as a kit to throw in your car, keep in your vehicle in case, God forbid, you know, you ever slide down a fire trail or something and have to dig out. It's very helpful. Um, also backpacks for the kids. If they're ever going to let back in school, you're going to want a backpack that not only is cool, but can, uh, stand up to the, uh, you know, to the abuse that kids put backpacks through. So head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. By the way, he's always looking for cool stuff too. So if you have some things that you're interested in unloading, uh, bring them over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, shops on Main Street, open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. And of course, tell them uh, that I sent you. So Pat Ryan is a spokesman for the North Carolina Republican uh, Senate leader, Phil Berger, and uh, he called Eric Holder a, quote, charlatan who doesn't really believe what he says. He says Eric Holder is the worst kind of phony partisan operator. Fact check true. Ryan uh, wrote this in an email. Quote, he pretends to care about ideals like fair maps, but it's just a veneer to hide his true partisan goal of electing more Democrats. And by the way, if you go to their website and you look at the map that they have of America and you click on the states, you'll see that in every one of the states where they've got highlighted uh, and because they highlight them when they're, you know, uh, taking actions against the states and you click on the state and it'll show you what legal action they've taken. But it also says you know, we helped elect more Democrats, every one of them, every single one of their descriptions about the actions that they're taking say that they helped elect more Democrats. But we're to believe that the purpose is not to elect more Democrats, while they tell us that the purpose is to elect more Democrats. In 2018, the elections, the political action committee associated with Eric Holder's anti-gerrymandering group gave the North Carolina Democratic Party half a million dollars. It also gave over five grand to Anita Earls, to her campaign, uh, who ended up winning the race for North Carolina Supreme Court judge. Remember, that was the race uh, where she unseated the incumbent Barbara Jackson, the Republican, who was, a, by everybody's account, a very good judge, uh, but she got Uh, defeated. And remember, there were a bunch of votes that were siphoned away from Jackson by the Democrat lawyer who registered as a Republican and uh, pretended to be one and lied about that and got a bunch of Republicans to vote for him. Um, And so this guy, uh, the spokesman, Pat Ryan, for North Carolina Senate leader Phil Berger says, does this sound fair to you? Now, state law bans the governor, according to this story in the News and Observer, State law bans the governor from being able to veto redistricting maps, a law, ironically, that Democrats passed in the 1990s when now Governor Roy Cooper was a powerful state senator. So that means the new maps will be entirely up to Republican lawmakers to draw on their own without needing any bipartisan consensus. Now, I just feel like this is important to point out. When the story says a law... This law that the governor doesn't get to veto the maps, a law that was put in place 
by Democrats. And it says a law, ironically, that Democrats passed in the 1990s when now Governor Roy Cooper was a powerful state senator. Why? Why? Why did it get passed? Oh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. It just like this piece of legislation and they just passed it. I don't know what happened. It was just the law. What happened? Why? We don't get that. We don't get the context of why it got passed. You know why it got passed? Two words. Jim Martin. You know who Jim Martin was? He's like the first Republican governor in like a century. Yeah. He want Jim Martin was governor from 1985 to 1993. What happened in 1990? Think about it. What happens every 10 years? Exactly. Census in 1990 and redistricting. And they didn't want that Republican governor being able to veto our maps. Maps, which, by the way, got challenged, went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and Roy Cooper, who was in charge of drawing the maps and such, uh, had his maps struck down as unconstitutional racial gerrymanders. Yeah, that's, that, that's the guy now fighting for the fair maps. Right. The guy who drew bad maps had him struck down and also then stripped the governor of the power to veto those maps because that governor was a Republican. See, people have this idea of Governor Cooper as some sort of, you know, moderate, nonpartisan, apolitical. Oh, shucks. I'm just an old country lawyer kind of guy. No, he's part of the Democratic political machine, which is kind of funny, too, because like. All of the comparisons now that like, oh, the 11th district, it's gerrymandered. Madison Cawthorn's only there because of the gerrymander. Not true. I mentioned this yesterday, too. Like, they see gerrymandering everywhere. It's like any time that they lose, oh, it's a gerrymander. Well, we lost that race for U.S. Senate. Gerrymander. Like, well, it's a statewide election. You know, they, they, they scream gerrymander. You know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen the very first episode of Hitchcock Presents. Do you know what I'm talking about? This episode's called Revenge. And there's a woman and uh, her husband, and her husband leaves for the day, and the woman is attacked. She is assaulted. And uh, husband goes, picks her up from the police station. They're driving home. And the woman sees a man and says, that's him. That's the attacker, right? That's him. There he is. So the husband stops the car. He gets out, kills the guy. Spoiler alert kills the guy, gets back in the car, driving down the road, and the next thing, his wife says, there he is, that's him, there he is, to another guy, right? She's so shell-shocked, you know, but she's saying, like, she's saying there he is, everybody. She's seeing it, she's seeing her attacker everywhere. That's what these lefties are like with gerrymandering. Everything is a gerrymander. It's almost like Nazis, right? They do the same thing with the Nazi stuff. He's a Nazi, a Nazi, I see a Nazi over there. Nazi Nazi. <laughs> What's well, like? Did you see this story out of um, the CPAC convention, the Conservative Political Action Committee? Right. The co- yeah, the company that built the stage for them came under fire because the stage they built looks like some symbol that was on some uniforms of some unit of the Nazis. <laughs> they. I don't know how they know this stuff. I like proud, proudly ignorant here. I am proudly ignorant of Nazi insignia. I know of I know of one symbol. 
and the, the the one the bad one the swastika right or is what nancy pelosi calls it the swastika the you know not allowed to use it don't use it bad swastika i know swastika i know that's a bad one okay um there's another one it's like an eagle or something i'm not really clear about that one like because a lot of people use the imagery of the eagle and the the globe so I'm not sure about that one, but I know that there's something to do with that, but I couldn't tell. Like, if you showed me a lineup of Nazi insignia, I would not be able to pick it out from a fake one, right? Like, I couldn't say, oh, yeah, that's the one that's on our, you know, federal whatever, whatever, and that's the one that's on the Nazi flag. I, I would not be able to decipher which eagle one with the planet is different. So, uh, but I know it's out there. This one, never heard of before. Have you heard of this? The Odal or Odal? O-D-A-L. Odal? Or Othala Rune. Never heard of it. It looks like a square with two little legs that stick off the side or, or a diamond. It's a, well, it's a square, but it's on the side. So it's a diamond and then it's got like off of the edges, it's got like two legs that stick out to either side. I don't know. <laughs> it's a symbol. I couldn't even tell you. Now, I could tell you that the symbol on the packaging of Grower's Hemp, I did know what that one was. Grower's Hemp, they make CBD products. This is not marijuana, people. CB, the, but the plant looks very similar. It's a hemp plant. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the differences, but they can explain all of this to you at growershemp.com. They want to actually help you. If you've got questions about it, they understand a lot of people have a lot of questions uh, about hemp products and CBD products so they want to answer those questions allay any concerns that you have about this stuff so reach out to them at their website growershemp.com i take some of the drops before i go to bed uh, every single night their full spectrum hemp extract they've got a bunch of different flavors um yeah i, I like the mint one the i think it's like the carolina mint it's very it it's very subtle and uh because i know some people and some people prefer like the uh the original taste or flavor. Um, I prefer like to mask it a little bit. Just it reminds me a little bit too much of some tastes that I had inadvertently back in college during the day. But at any rate, uh, if you go to their website, you can find all of the different types of products that they offer, like the balm, which is the B-A-L-M. It's the balm. And it's topical. You rub it onto your you know knuckles or your hands, your feet, your joints, anywhere you got some hurts going on. Uh, obviously not your eyeballs or your heart. But, uh, you know, it's a topical. So you can try that as well. Go to their website, growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE and you'll get 20% off. Here is the disclaimer, by the way, that I got to read. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growershemp.com. These are North Carolina farmers, family farmers. They control the whole process from seed to shelf. Uh, that means you get a better quality, lower price, and you're helping local farms. Um, and they are helping you on your wellness journey. Growershemp.com. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Yeah, so this stage at CPAC, this is kind of ridiculous. I thought, I thought surely this is not a real thing that people are actually arguing. And then I went on to Twitter and found, oh, dear God, <laughs> this is a thing that lefties are actually arguing about they're they're actually accusing cpac these conservatives that put on the annual cpac they're like they made the stage look like 
a Nazi symbol. And then it comes out that the design firm that did it, it's actually lefties. So then it raises this question of, did they do this design in order to open CPAC up for this line of attack? Because when, all right, so let, all right, let, let me get here. This, this is from uh, forward.com. This is, uh, I believe it's sort of a Jewish centric uh, website. A piece by Jacob Kornblue, who says the company that was hired to set up the stage at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida last weekend has taken full responsibility for the design of the stage that resembled a Nazi insignia. In an exclusive statement to the forward on Tuesday evening, Design Foundry, that's the name of the company, Design Foundry, uh, a stage design firm based in Hyattsville, Maryland, said, quote, it had no idea that the design resembled any symbol nor was there any intention to create something that did. The organizers of CPAC have announced that it will not use the firm for any future events. So good job, lefties. You got this uh, this event planner company or event company, right? Uh, which, as I understand it, probably has had a lot of business dry up for the last, I don't know, maybe a year or so. Um, so needed the work took the work and has actually worked with CPAC for a couple of years, but now CPAC is not going to work with them anymore because they gave them a Nazi symbol for a stage design. <laughs> Inadvertently. Look, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that this was sabotage. This was intentional. Um, I, I mean, like, honestly, I don't even know who, go, who goes around looking at stage design and says... Oh my God, it looks like a Nazi symbol, like a really esoteric one to boot. I could see if you did a stage that looked like a swastika. I could see that one tripping a lot of triggers. But I would also expect that the people, when they're sitting down to do the design and to approve the design, that then when they look at the aerial shot of the stage, they'd probably say, uh, guys, that kind of looks like a Nazi swastika, right? Like, we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> So, again, just spitballing here. I don't know if that's true, but images of the main stage, which featured Donald Trump's first post-presidency speech on Sunday, went viral online as observers noted its resemblance to the Odal or the Othala rune, a symbol emblazoned on Nazi uniforms. I love this. It went viral online as observers noted its resemblance. Observers don't you mean leftists? Yeah, leftists, anti-Trumpers, right? These are the people that observed it, which this gets to the whole dog whistle thing, doesn't it? If you hear the dog whistle, you're the dog, right? Now, if you can't keep your dog because uh, you're in an apartment, let's say, and they don't allow that breed or too many dogs or, or weight restrictions or something, why not get a house? In which case, then you need to call Rowena Patton. And her phone number, glad you asked, is 333-4483. That's 333-4483. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they will get you into your house. They've got homes in all price points. If you're looking to sell, they have buyers already lined up. It is a crazy market right now in Asheville. So if you are thinking about selling, I'm telling you, this is a great time to do so. Please give her a call. 828-333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. That's the website, mountainhomehunt.com. Call Rowena today and her all-star powerhouse team, 333-4483, and then start packing. 
So as these observers of the CPAC conference see this stage, they then go on to social media to call everybody a Nazi. Exactly. He's a Nazi. Oh, my God. They even drew a stage that looked like a Nazi symbol. After the conclusion of the event, Hyatt Hotels put out a statement saying that it had addressed the concerns with the conference organizers and denounced the use of such symbols as abhorrent. Design Foundry said that the American Conservative Union approved the stage design, which was, quote, intended to provide the best use of space given the constraints of the ballroom and social distancing requirements. But according to the terms of the contract, the ACU, the uh, the organization that puts on the American Conservative Union that puts on the CPAC, they approved the design, but they had no rights to change the design or to dismantle the stage. Yeah. So Ian Walters, the director of communications for the ACU and CPAC, said, quote, it's clear the company we retain Uh, we retained here, designed a stage that has become an unwelcome distraction. As a result, we will not be using that company's services going forward at future events. Design Foundry said that it was saddened and horrified at the accusations that this was a deliberate act. Design Foundry denounces all hate speech and acts of racism, prejudice, or bigotry in all forms. I saw a journalist, a lefty journalist, uh, noting that the owner, and I guess he knows the owner, Uh, of this company Design Foundry saying she is a Joe Biden supporter and she's a very liberal Jewish person. (laughs) So this is... And the people who work for the company are liberals. Like, guys, he's out there... What's his name? Yashar, I think, something. And he's like, guys, guys, she's a lib. She's one of us. Don't burn her at the stake. She's not a Nazi. Come on, people. She just needs the work. She just did the job. And like they didn't even know this was that kind of a design. Guys, just, you know, stop it. And so I go on into the comments, into the responses to this guy's tweets, because he wrote a whole series of tweets defending her and saying, you guys are crazy. You know, stop it. And so I go into his into this tweet thread and I start reading the responses and <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all these liberals that are like, you just don't get it, man. It's totally like there's no way that's a coincidence. And now they start now they're going after him and saying like he's an apologist for Trump and the Nazis or something. And this dude's a minority guy himself. He's like a. Uh, what is he like? I think he has like Middle Eastern roots or something, and I think he's gay too. So like, he's and they're attacking him for being a, a, an apologist for the stage design team who were very liberal Biden supporting Jews that supposedly we are to believe drew a stage in order to send a signal that the CPAC people are all down with the Nazis. It's, it is ridiculous now. It's getting to the point, like I said, this is, it's the Hitchcockian revenge episode. It's the, you know, oh, there he is, there he is. It's the, everything's a gerrymander. It's, everybody's a Nazi. Like, you guys have lost your grip with reality. I don't know who needs to hear this, and I know I'm probably speaking mostly to the choir, but if you think, that every district you lose is due to gerrymandering, if you think every Republican is a Nazi sympathizer, you have lost touch with reality. Because this is, it's just not true, folks. It's just not true. 
but people want you to believe that that is true. And once you go down the path, you start drinking that Kool-Aid, you start thinking these things about, you know, your fellow countrymen, you're, you're polluting your own thought process. You will no longer be able to contemplate things in a rational and logical way. Um, so please, before it's too late, you know, don't stop the car. Don't get out. Don't beat some innocent man to death because someone else said gerrymander. I'm kind of mixing up the stories there, but you get the idea. Headline, Asheville Citizen Times, Asheville reparations truth-telling to start in spring, but still no equity office manager. I'm not going to even cover the second part of that because it's a little bit too uh, in the weeds, but um, this is the important point because this got a lot of attention when the city council did their reparations vote. The nat- So as Joel Burgess at the Citizen Times, Joel Burgess, who is a Democrat activist with a byline, he says the city's nationally recognized initiative to repair more than a century of harm done by slavery and discrimination will begin in earnest this spring with a first phase dedicated to truth-telling, according to a timeline laid out by city manager Deborah Campbell. So yes, nationally recognized, yes. Full swoon. Media coverage out the wazoo. I think our mayor was on msnbc talking about how fantastic it was that the city is going to look to do reparations yay we're going to give a bunch of money away and then you actually read the resolution it's like well not so fast (laughs) first off it's not going to be the city is not cutting a bunch of checks to a bunch of people it's not how that's happened well i mean don't get okay they are cutting checks to people but they're going to be via government programs okay so this is going to be used in order to uh puff up government programs. And the idea was in those heady days of 2020 um, to take the money from the police department budget and use it for the reparations. This was the idea. Uh, They're also, by the way, in an unrelated story, they're finding, why are we losing so many police officers? Oh, and our response times to violent crime has gone way up. We're not able to respond. And then we're pulling detectives off of cases. So now, you know, uh, cold case, the clearance rates, like those are going up uh, because we're not, uh, or they're going down, the clearance rate's going down, like the number of unsolved crimes is going up because we're pulling detectives off to have them respond to emergency calls because we don't have cops. I wonder what could be the reason. (laughs) The, yeah, we're moving. Yeah, as I mentioned, we're moving out of city limits. It's happening in a couple months. They're building the house. We're getting out of uh, the city limits of Asheville. We gave it a shot. We tried. We did. We tried. It's it's just, it's not you. It, well, it is you, actually. I was going to say it's not you, it's me. But it, it is, well, it's both of us, but it's mainly you. The first phase of Asheville's reparations initiative, one of three, so there's three phases, because you got to have three phases. The first one is integral to the process, according to the city manager and the vice mayor, Shanika Smith. Smith urged patience and grace by community members who have called for a quicker start. This is what I am now going to start referring to as the Firestorm Collective wing of the local Democratic Party. These are the radical communists who uh, purport to be anarchists, but as with all communists who purport to be anarchists, they're just temporary anarchists. Um, They just want, you know, temporary instability and the overthrow of power structures in order to replace them with communism. So, and this is all out of a 
bookstore called the Firestorm Books, where they created this collective, right? They create, and it's where they all kind of gather and they sip their coffee and they uh, plot the revolution. So uh, the first phase, oh, and that that wing, by the way, has been very, very vocal in whipping up the mob against the city council. They were doing it with uh, what? They were doing it with transit. They did it with this anti-tourism um, uh, campaign. Uh, they've done it with uh, the COVID stuff now. And they've done it with, you know, defunding police. They've done it with um, and with now the reparations. So the first phase uh, is uh, getting underway starting uh, now, I guess, passed on July 14th over the summer. Asheville's reparations initiative is not meant to set a direct uh, to, uh, is not meant to be a set of direct payments to black residents, but instead a system of programs to help them establish generational wealth and overcome other disparities caused by discrimination. Now we don't know what those are yet, what these programs are going to be. That's like that's like two years down the road. Okay, like first up, got to do the listening tour. That's the first part, um, and then uh, after that, oh, I've got the phases here. Where are they? Um, Phase one, right, runs May through June. Um, second phase will be the formation of a commission. And uh, the second phase will overlap the first, running from May to July. And then, let's see here, the third and final phase will involve giving short medium and long-term recommendations in three installments starting in January 22nd and ending with a final report in April 2023. And that's when you'll get the implementation strategies in 2023. <laughs> so they're going to they're gonna study it. They're going to give you a report. And then the city council, whoever might be on council at that time, will then be able to do whatever they want to do with those recommendations at that time. Um, this was, I thought, a great quote from the vice mayor, Shanika Smith. Number one, quote, number one, we have to define reparations <laughs> yeah don't you think so i would have thought that would have been i don't know part of the process when you passed a vote in support of reparations call me crazy but shouldn't you know what you're voting on if you're going to vote in support of something shouldn't you know what that something is yeah i, I would think so speaking of voting did you know that general equipment rental has been voted best equipment rental store for two years in a row by the readers in the Mountain Express Reader's Poll. It's a uh, local weekly uh, newspaper here in the uh, Asheville area, Mountain Express. Yeah, they have been. You can't, this is not something you buy, folks. This is just for treating your customers well, giving them great deals, right? Great service, great products. And then they vote you number one. That's how that works. And general equipment rental, two years in a row, the uh, best equipment rental store in Western North Carolina. And I think they're just fantastic. Uh, they're supporters of this show, and I appreciate that. But also, you'll appreciate the equipment that they've got, just the wide range, the variety of tools and equipment. So whatever the tool is you need for a particular job, they're going to have it, and they're going to know how to use it. And they're going to be able to tell you how to use it even better, <laughs> right? So uh, you may not even know. You may think you need one tool. You go in there and ask about it and you tell them what you need it for. And they're going to be like, well, you might be better off with this other tool because this other one, it's going to be better for the job you've just outlined. Okay. And I know you watched a YouTube video, but they're the experts. They're also, by the way, General Equipment Rental is also your official licensed Honda and Husqvarna outdoor power equipment 
sales and service provider. So spring is coming. It's almost here. Well, it is here if you're at the meteorological spring. It's already here, right? So what are you looking to uh, to add to your uh, outdoor power equipment collection? You're looking for, what? how about an auto mower? It's like a Roomba. It just drives around your yard, constantly keeps the grass cut all the time. You never have to mow the yard again. How awesome is that? Maybe you want to, though. You can still get yourself a mower. You can get, uh, if you're a professional, you're looking to get, you know, a commercial grade mower. They're your place to go as well. Uh, They've got hedge clippers. They've got chainsaws, trimmers, generators, and they service what they sell too, by the way. So uh, if you ever have a problem with your equipment, you bring it back there and they know this equipment, right? Because they are the official licensed dealer. So uh, head on over to General Equipment Rental. They've got the tools that you need to get the job done right the first time. General Equipment Rental there in Weaverville uh, at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations online at generalrents.com. And think outside your toolbox. Kind of like the Asheville tourism industry is trying to do with this uh, reworking of their tax on hotels. Uh, This money over the years uh, that they collect goes to market Western North Carolina, goes to market Buncombe County uh, tourism marketing. And there have been a lot of people sort of led by that firestorm collective that are like, this is too much tourism. Or as now um, the term is being defined by Joel Burgess at the Citizen Times, um, over tourism, which is a purely subjective term. Um, But here's the story. Facing pressure from residents and city leaders, a group of influential hotel owners say they support redirecting potentially millions of dollars in local tax money from tourism marketing into projects that could directly benefit the public. But they're at odds with an important state senator who could stop the change. The conflict between Senator Chuck Edwards and a hotel advocacy group that includes the manager of the region's most prominent hotel and the chain of the body that controls the hotel tax has come into view as the March 11th deadline approaches to propose a new state law to change the uh, how the hotel room occupancy tax is used. So again, I'm not going to get into the for- funding formula here, but they take this tax, and this was an agreement that the hotel industry worked out and they got passed into law and it said that the money is to be used for marketing. Okay, they, they divvy it up in different ways, but there's this pool, there's this chunk that they used for marketing. And while the city of Asheville has made really poor funding decisions on various things over the years, they're like, man, we really would like some more money to pay for core services that we have been neglecting. And rather than cut things out that people like the Firestorm Collective want to see funded rather than, you know, anger their left wing voters, their base. uh, They've been neglecting core services. And like, let's be fair, you know, sidewalk policy, pothole policy. A lot of people in Asheville, if you're of the left, they don't care about that. They really don't. They, you know, they're all about the, you know, transit can't wait. This was their campaign. Got to have transit. We got to offer free bus service so we can get from the bars to our shoot up sites. Oh, yeah, the Firestorm Collective. They also do a needle exchange. Anyway, um, with Asheville area residents long complaining of over tourism, city council voted February 23rd to call on legislators to change the law governing the Buncombe County Hotel Tax. Now, remember, this is the Asheville City Council, which the Asheville City Council wants the money to fund Asheville City priorities and projects. 
Now, I'm not so sure that's going to sit very well with all of the folks in the other towns around Asheville and the areas in Buncombe County that are paying this tax, right? Because if you're not inside city limits and they start taking the tax money and diverting it away from marketing and putting it towards projects inside city limits of Asheville, which, by the way, Asheville kind of has a history of taking money, using it for projects that aren't exactly... Uh, compliant, let's say, or in the spirit of the purpose of the tax. The most recent classic example was they took a whole bunch of water revenue money and they used it to do what they can, what they called, uh, you know, water and drainage sewer and um, uh, curb and gutter work on a road called Azalea Road, or as my uh, GPS calls it, Azalea. And this is a road that is used by the Democratic soccer moms that uh, wait to drop the kids off at the soccer fields. And uh, this road goes up and they wanted to redo the road, but they didn't have any money for it in the budget. So they redid the whole road with the water fund money. And they claimed it was a water project because the road does have curb and gutter after all. So this is what people outside of Asheville city limits are kind of concerned that Asheville's going to do <laughs> with the hotel revenue if they get control of it. Another request by the council um, that the TDA, the Tourism Development Authority, uh, now made up of a majority of hoteliers by state law, they want that board to be expanded to include people from different sectors, such as the arts and entertainment and service industries. As for the city's request for more flexibility in the types of projects, funded by the remaining tax money, uh, that is still a topic of discussion. See, so they have another area as well that they would very much like to uh, change, and that is, hey, can we take the money and now not just use it for tourism-related projects, huh? Because that's generally what the funds are supposed to be used for. But now they want to change that too. They want to use this to supplement their general fund. And there's one state lawmaker who's not too thrilled with this idea, Chuck Edwards. He says, look, service industry has taken a huge hit during the COVID pandemic. I'm not interested really in rewriting this law that's going to starve the industry from uh, marketing dollars. So we shall see. I'll keep you posted. That's a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Remember, go to thepetecalendarshow.com and we'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. 